1: episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Pollard here. And now that it is all over and the dust is settled on the Minnesota Viking season, it is time to check in with Pro Football Focus's Sam Monson. What is
0: up, Sam? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me back.
1: Well. It's okay. I mean, I have to tell you the truth that, you know, when you start a business around covering a team, you hope that you get to cover them into late January or early February, and here we are in early January instead talking about the draft and free agency, which is exciting, and I love it, but, um, you know, I really expected – to be covering playoff games at this point right now. And I I guess I want to deconstruct this season with you and just get your perspective on a number of different things. Uh, I want to start with defense and just what defense – sort of means in the year 2020 because the NFL uh, set point records Uh, the Vikings finished 11th in points but third all time for their point total if that sort of tells the story of how crazy scoring was this year but the Vikings they tried a lot of things and a lot of players that they had been developing that just did not work and I think that they made a lot of bets that ended up going bust all at once. And I wonder if you think that, um, you know, Mike Zimmer said that they miscalculated on a lot of things. If you think that the the process was bad to start with, with the defense, or if it did just kind of not go their way, and that happens sometimes with defense.
0: Yeah, I think overall, a a lot of what the Minnesota Vikings did heading into the season was reliance on rookies. Um, and not just on defense, on both sides of the ball. And anytime you need multiple rookies to have a significant impact on day one, it's a low percentage shot. You're probably aiming for a really small target, and the chances of all that working out are minimal. Now, you know, while all the defensive ones almost to a man cramped out – On on the other hand, you got Justin Jefferson, who literally stepped into the role vacated by Stephon Diggs, and if anything, upgraded it. I mean, that shouldn't be possible. So on the one hand, they hit like an absolute home run on that side of the ball, and then on defense, it just didn't work out. They had a stacked group of these young guys um, all playing the same position, and almost none of them showed much. Um, So I I, I think – that part of it screams bad process to me. Like, if you are that reliant on a group of rookies playing immediately and being good, it just doesn't seem like a, a strong bet to be making year on year. Um, that being said, you know, the, the defensive line had nobody really of any kind of quality, but then Denell Hunter didn't play this year. You know, we were expecting them to have an all-pro in Denell Hunter and then maybe no, no help. And they didn't even have that. Like, their best player on the defensive line wasn't playing all get, all year. And it's tough to criticize them too much for that. They tried to sort of throw a Band-Aid on it with, with the Yannick Ngakwe trade, and that didn't really work out. Although, you know, maybe as much because the team found themselves in a completely different spot than they thought they would be and just cut bait rather than continued with it. I think he could have been something over the course of the year. But I think ultimately they just found themselves in a, in a much different situation than they thought they were going to be and had too many, you know, too many bets that they needed to, to pay off that just didn't. Yeah, I think the other bets, too, that didn't pay off
1: were the ones that they could have known uh, wouldn't. And that's on players that they already had a sample size on from at least the year before or a couple of years before. And I, I made a list of all of them. These are the guys that uh, – that played over 250 snaps that they had at least one year of sample size with. Afadi Adenabo, Jaleel Johnson, Jalen Holmes, Armin Watts, Holton Hill, Chris Boyd, Hercules Afa. The highest graded one of those guys by PFF has a 64, and the lowest has a 35. It's out of 100. Uh, so you usually expect that these guys that you're developing are going to give you more, and instead, 71st out of 71 defensive tackles was Jaleel Johnson. That's a guy that they had for four years. So they had three training camps. They had game samples of him playing, and they decided, no, that's that's good enough. We're going to have to roll with that uh, when Michael Pierce opted out, and they decided not to sign someone like Snacks Harrison or, or any other defensive tackle to move in. And this is where I say that, again, like you said, yeah, the bet's on the rookies, but it even sort of extends farther of – you guys really thought Holton Hill was going to be the thing, right? Or or Mike Hughes, who had been perpetually injured. And that's where I think um, along the same lines, maybe Mike Zimmer believed too much in his ability to coach him up and to scheme as opposed to, hey, we need to just find some other bodies here who can play because we should know that these guys can't.
0: Yeah, the the Mike Hughes one I think was another big one as well. It's like you had you know a couple of years worth of data on this guy, and the two things you learned is one he'd struggled, and two he hadn't been able to stay on the field. And both those things continued this year. Like he barely played, and when he played, it wasn't good. So again, that was that was a lesson you could have seen coming, and ultimately you just you placed too much faith on what was inevitably just a long shot um, to to try and get quality play. And, you know, Zimmer kind of recognized in himself, you know, when he said earlier in the season that these guys are in kindergarten right now and we need to get them on, you know, in the master's track like that. (laughs) That's a leap that doesn't happen in a rookie season. And that's fine if that's your plan. If this is a long play that we're just going to, load up this secondary with young guys and try and, you know, make a group out of them in two, three years time, suffer through some early growing pains. That's okay, but that's why, you know, you weren't good this year because you had a secondary that just couldn't cover and maybe that'll pay off in 2021 or 2022. But for this season, it was, you know, one of the Achilles heels that the team had.
1: And this is why
0: I don't like to get on
1: board with the, oh, we had a bad, a lot of bad luck. Like, okay, I mean, yeah, Daniil Hunter, of course, that's bad luck. But some of the injuries that they were counting or things that went wrong are like, come on, man. I mean, if you're counting Holton Hill's injury, that guy was playing as bad as any corner in the league when he got hurt. And the person who replaced him, um, you know, Jeff Gladney or Cam Dantzler or even Chris Jones, who they threw in there, like it wasn't much of a difference. Um, Mike Zimmer brought up George Iloka getting hurt this year. It's like, come on, Mike. Are we really counting, you know, the backup safety who never had to play? So uh, here's what I want to know from you, your opinion on this is, How far away are they? Because uh, this, I think, is a main point of contention with some Vikings fans on the defensive side where I think you can look at it through the purple glasses of – Well, you get Hunter back, Pierce back, and you add a couple of pieces and all of a sudden you're good again. Um, And I guess I think that you need more than that. And you need other bets to click. Like we don't know if Gladney and Dantzler can play well over 16 games. That's not decided after one year. I think that um, next year they should have still realistic expectations about what this defense can be. But I also think it can reach the baseline of being good enough to get you into the playoffs and have you be a contending team, unlike this year where it just wasn't good enough?
0: Well, that's the thing is that you don't need to get good. You just need to get not terrible. Um, And (laughs) that's that's like the lesson of the NFL right now. Look at the Kansas City Chiefs, right? Their defense went from being an abomination to just being good enough to hold up its end of the bargain while the offense went to work and did its job. And that was the difference between being a good team but falling short and uh, going on a crazy Super Bowl run. Um, and and that's, that's what the Vikings need to shoot for is that this team doesn't need to go from where it was to 2017 and be, you know, a great defense. They just need to get to the point where they can stand up on their own two feet and not, not just capitulate every single week. They need to be able to get some kind of pressure. They need to have some kind of baseline of coverage on the back end. And a guy like Cameron Dantzler, if he continues to develop would be a big part of that, but they need more than one corner to do it. Um, So I don't think they're far away, but they do have significant holes and they do need a lot of turnover to make that happen. The other thing that this team, I think, generally needs is to embrace where their strength is. Like they have talent on offense and could light a lot of defenses on fire, particularly the way the NFL is right now. You know, as we saw this year where offenses are just cooking the league, the league over, like embrace that. Stop running from your biggest strength and trying to establish the run and be like limit your best playmakers. Stefan Diggs worked his way out of this place because he was pissed off that he was never going to have a big enough role to do what he wanted to do and to maximize what he, what his performance and also by the way, help the team win the most. Um, Diggs goes over to Buffalo and immediately leads the league in receiving. Like you could do that here. If you just embraced the principles and threw the ball around a little bit more and look, Kirk Cousins has taken a lot of crap over the years, but that combination of Cousins, Thielen, and Jefferson or Diggs before him, it's good. It works. It can you know, score on pretty much anybody. So put the ball in his hands more and let it, let it happen. Well,
1: that leads me perfectly, Sam, into where to go this offseason because there's going to be the raging debates uh, around draft time, and I'm excited for it. Of Do you draft a defensive end? Do you draft another corner, which will drive Vikings fans insane but kind of makes some sense? Do you draft a playmaking Tyron Matthews safety if there's one out there? Do you draft a wide receiver in a receiver draft that is just stacked with potential high-end talents? And, of course, as always, for Vikings fans, the guard position uh, that will just never be fixed for the rest of our entire existence. So uh, not just with the draft, but where do you start? I mean, if you're making out the list and you're the Vikings, where do you begin for this is the must-happen thing for this roster to get back on track?
0: I think they're they're one of those teams that's in a reasonably good position in terms of they (laughs) they have a lot of needs to fill. And they're going to be sitting at a point in the draft, you know, the middle of the first round where something's going to be there. You know what I mean? You don't need to, you don't need to lock yourself into like, right. If we don't come out of this with a first round cornerback, we're screwed, right. You've already taken that shot. It didn't work out anyway. So what the hell, like just sit, you've got plenty of needs. You can sit where you are and you can take the best player, essentially that slides to your available draft pick. You don't need to uh, box yourself into this corner and go chasing something that that is a desperation move so I kind of like that as a concept for a team even though you know the flip side of that obviously is it means that you've got you've got enough problems that need to be filled but I think the middle of the first round is going to be a good spot for that as you say it's a great receiver draft on the other hand this team does not like you know opening it up with three wide receivers and and airing it out. I don't know if that makes sense to spend a first round pick on that position uh, given that, but you know you've got to keep swinging on that offensive line because you haven't got it right yet.' as, as painful as it is to keep missing. Um, it's it's not going to fix itself, so you have to keep throwing resources at it. Uh, anywhere on defense would be a good spot. I think pass rusher is the obvious thing. You know, Denell Hunter will be coming back. Even Hunter, I think, is far from a sure thing in terms of the kind of impact that he brings on a yearly basis. But an interior presence to go alongside with him, a, a bookend to rush the passer from the other side, um, I, that would be, I think, a, a perfect spot for the first round, particularly because I don't think it's a great pass rushing free agency group
1: want to remind you to go to SodaStick.com to get your original Minnesota sports inspired goods. There are many great designs. Someone on Twitter recently sent their John Randall shirt and there's the Can't Stop the Thielen hats, the Tech throwback shirt and much more. All of their apparel is screen printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies. You will love it. We're going to hook you up with free shipping on your next order. Use the code Purple Insider for free shipping. That's S O T A S T I C K dot com soda stick original Minnesota sports inspired goods code purple insider for free shipping. What's at the top of your list? Everything. I think you just named yeah. every <laughs> everything <laughs> except. Uh, now here's my case for wide receiver, and uh, just while we're down this road, is uh, you are one ankle tweak away from uh, BC Johnson or. Chad Beebe being your guy, and that worked for one year with Stephon Diggs, but I don't want to test it over a long period of time. I mean, if Justin Jefferson, you know, breaks a finger or something, then all of a sudden you're in a really, really weak position when that's your player that's going to drive the success of your offense long-term. And the other thing is, too, that, you know, having those extra playmakers, they just make life a little easier for Cousins. And I, I don't know how you feel about this, but I think that they make things harder on Cousins Uh, in in some ways that play to his strengths like throwing down the field but he's pressured a lot and he's in third down a lot and he's always got to throw it down the field is sort of like what their strategy is to run the play actions and and be working the ball down the field and he never has a third wide receiver that runs a jet sweep and you hand him the ball and he runs for 20 yards It's just like doesn't happen it's like if Delvin Cook is not helping you with the run game then hey buddy you're on your own and I just feel like a bubble screen to a fast guy who runs for 20 yards every once in a while would be I don't know maybe helpful to cousins
0: I agree with you but I just don't think that I don't think it's a talent thing that's preventing that from happening so I don't think swapping out a BC Johnson or a Chad Beebe for you know anybody in the draft is going to change that philosophy I think that's just not what they do Mm -hmm. so consequently you're right the best, the, the best thing that one of those guys would give you is this inbuilt depth and a contingency that if something happens to one of your two starters, you're still fine. But the times where that isn't the case, I think you probably just waste that guy um, sitting on the bench or running pointless pass patterns that are never going to get targeted. So I, I'm not saying it's a bad move. You know, anytime you add a, a serious talent to the wide receiver room, it's in theory it's a good thing. It should make you significantly better. But the Vikings just seem like a team that is not going to take advantage of the of the potential upgrade that, that offers them, even if they had one land in their laps.
1: Maybe I'm still uh, just sour about the uh, Cordero Patterson thing and not using him correctly. Which Mike Zimmer admitted, by the way, that they could have used him in, in better ways. Uh, but I've always thought... That's a great thing to have somebody who you just put the ball in their hands and they can do something. And the Vikings are severely lacking that it doesn't need to be a first round wide receiver, but somebody who is fast, who can make a play with the ball. They were missing that outside of Justin Jefferson, Uh, because really, I mean, Adam Thielen is still somewhat of a deep threat. Irv Smith can go down the field a little, but if you're, you're not talking about anyone outside of Jefferson, who's fast and dangerous with the ball in their hands, I think that's like the next step because Here's the thing. Mike Zimmer's talking about how much he loves the offense, and I get that. But you finish 11th. Like, okay, 11th is fine. That's good. But that's not going to get you where you need to go, even if you have an average defense for next year, even if it improves or even if it gets a little better than average. It's, this is a thing that I, I wanted to talk with you next about. Is just you have followed the Minnesota Vikings for a really long time. And I think the biggest frustration of their fan base right now is that it feels like you have slumped yourself into the, when it's good, you win 10, when it's not good, you win seven. I think the Vikings fans in the nineties probably felt this way, where it's like, okay, Rich Gannon's our quarterback and maybe we'll make the playoffs or whatever until Randy Moss gets there and changes everything. And I want to know from you, if you see a path out of that existence.
0: I mean, I think a huge amount of it is embracing change and not just settling with this is the way we do it. And like, so 11th is fine. It's not bad. On the other hand, it's an underachievement versus like the individual grades of all the components that make up your offense, right? Kirk Cousins was a top 10 quarterback this year. Justin Jefferson, I think, finished second in PFF grades. Dalvin Cook finished 2nd in PFF grades. I think Adam Thielen was also top 10 as well. So like everything that makes up this offense other than the offensive line is a top 10 caliber unit. So 11th is like a failure. It's a, it's you've you've added a drag factor to the sum of the the parts that you have there. At which point, stop celebrating that. That isn't a good thing. That means you have reigned them back from what they should be capable of. And when, you know, the analytics guys post these charts of, like, the most aggressive um, play callers in the NFL in terms of just calling passes on first and ten, which is a better play, the Vikings are always buried at the bottom of that chart. And these are simple free wins. It's low-hanging fruit that you should be able to just pick up off the ground and add a percentage to your chance of winning games – that the Vikings aren't doing. And I don't know that they show any real inclination or desire to do that. Um, you know, Mike Zimmer is a talented coach. He knows he does a lot of good things, but he is, you know, classically old school and brings with it all of the negatives that are associated with that. That guy is not going to embrace the cutting edge of anything. That guy's going to do it the way he thinks it should be done. And the way he thinks it should be done is to run the ball on first and 10 as much as possible. Dalvin Cook is one of your best weapons, so load him up with carries. And it just means that you're capped at this level. While the Kansas City Chiefs and all these teams are just, you know, pushing the boundaries on how good, how explosive, and how productive an offense can be, the Vikings are sitting there going, well... You know, we've got some weapons, but we're going to roll with Dalvin Cook. And if if the run game doesn't function too much, we're not in a great place. I think that
1: there's also the question of with Cousins. When you look at the body of work, and I was going through this for an article I'm writing about, the future of the quarterback position for the Vikings. And uh, 2019, he's the fifth best by PFF grades. I mean, he had a fantastic 2019 season. This year, he's 10th. Um, You know, he was – 10th or something in 2018 and 20th in 2017 and 10th in 2016 something like this right it's it's always in that same like sort of right around the top third of the league and that's good but he also has his falcons games or his week 16 in 2019 game against the packers where He just makes too many mistakes for you to win. The pressure rates remain the same every single year. The sack rates remain high, it seems, every single year. And I guess there's a part of me that wonders, like, are you capped there as well? Even though he has a lot to be happy about and a lot that he does really well, that the shortcomings are going to be the shortcomings. And he just is always what he's going to be.
0: Yeah, I think Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback, a very good technical quarterback. Um, And I think he's probably proved to be better in Minnesota than I thought he was going to be, um, in that he's threatened that top five range more than the top 10 to 15. He's, I think, taken steps forward and, and gone even further ahead of where I thought he would be as a baseline. And he's done that despite the limitations we just talked about in terms of the offense, right? He's not a guy that's being helped out by the system to a dramatic degree they're not giving him cheap easy free yards and points and touchdowns the way the best offenses in the league are for their quarterbacks as spectacular as Patrick Mahomes is he like leads the league in touchdowns on screens and pop passes and all those kinds of things as well right so he's incredible he's doing all those special things he's also got a bunch of plays where he doesn't even have to think he just has to you know pop the ball forward and Tyreek Hill scores a touchdown for him like There's no reason Kirk Cousins couldn't have those as well, right? It doesn't always need to be Kirk Cousins making something happen. You could give a free, cheap, easy pass, pop pass to Justin Jefferson, then Cousins just becomes a spectator on the play and generates some yardage. So I think Cousins has done well and has not necessarily been helped out by his offense. Um, And I think he's probably been better at that than I gave him credit for. On the other hand, he is limited, right? He's never going to be Mahomes or Rodgers or he's never going to be a top, top quarterback in the NFL, but he is getting paid like one. So at some point, you should always have your eye out on what the potential alternative options are. It's not to say you'll ever take one. You might come to the realization every single year that, you know what, it's not as much as, as painful as the price tag is. This is the best option for us this year, and it'll be the best option for us next year and the year after that. On the other hand, if you happen to be sitting at 14 in the draft and, you know, Zach Wilson somehow falls into your lap at 14 or whatever, something weird happens and you suddenly get presented with an alternative option that's either a hell of a lot cheaper or a hell of a lot better, you would be crazy not to at least consider it. And I think that's where the Vikings are. It's where a team like the 49ers are. There's a lot of teams in the NFL that are in that similar kind of boat where you're not bad at quarterback. In fact, you're actually pretty good. A lot of teams would be – Um, very keen to swap places with you. On the other hand, you're not, you haven't hit the jackpot. You're not maximizing that, you know, great quarterback, either on a rookie deal or even, you know, a guy that's so good, we're happy to pay him the top price tag in the NFL. And you don't need to think about it again. You're at least in this boat where you should never be, you shouldn't think that that position is permanently settled until Kirk Cousins isn't playing with you anymore. You, you know, he's not good enough for you to not have your eye out on on various alternatives.
1: Do you have a good Kirk Cousins comparison? I mean, not necessarily in the league today, because I think that um, you could make it with some teams. But even if you try to make the Goff or Garoppolo comparison, like those guys made the Super Bowl, so that's not something that Cousins has done. I mean, maybe – Even when I try to think about, like, Matt Stafford or something, um, his organization is so dysfunctional and so bad, uh, I'm probably more critical of Stafford than um, maybe the outside perspective, but at the same time, locked into the same type of uh, limited quarterback in some ways, and needs this, 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 and this, but makes a ton of money, and I I don't know, I I guess I, I think of, like, Derek Carr even kind of being this way, where it's really hard to put all those pieces together and he's good and you'd take them, but at the price, it makes it tough. I don't know. I, I feel like this, it's just always, I'm trying to think of different ways to think of Kirk cousins and his contract without just saying like, yeah, I guess you're kind of stuck cause you're never going to be able to work around it. <laughs>
0: I think Cousins and Derek Carr share a lot of things in common. They're very similar in terms of they are both technically excellent quarterbacks who understand the game. They're very smart. They can articulate what's going on. But the more disadvantageous a passing situation you put them in, the more their flaws start to show up and they you know that that notion of the thing that's hard to quantify for quarterbacks, the intangibles or the ability to be clutch, or the the um, the ability to just make the right play at the right time, and adjust your game with the situation, and all the the stuff that's probably not even conscious for the most part, but the great quarterbacks have, and the other guys don't. I don't think either of those quarterbacks are good at that stuff, and they're 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 so good at the basics and the technical aspect that it kind of it doesn't matter most of the time. Um, you know, they are able to overcome the fact that they're not as naturally gifted at that stuff as a Peyton Manning. Um, but it is what limits them. And, you know, when you put those guys in a hole, whether it's with pressure, whether it's chasing a game, whether it's, you know, third and long, whatever the situation is, when you just make their life more difficult, it it's when that starts to sort of seep through the cracks um, in a way that it didn't with Peyton Manning. You know, there's a chart that I've seen where, Effectively, your aggressiveness down the field should change according to the the situation, right? If you're in a hole, you should be more aggressive. If you're if you have a big lead, typically you scale it back and let the run game take care of it. And the great quarterbacks, it's like a you know, it's like an S curve. And the great quarterbacks, their play almost exactly matches this the S that it's supposed to have. It's it's a perfect uh, match for the curve. Brady, Peyton Manning, and that, there's no way that that is like. Conscious, they just know intrinsically that this is what we should be doing. Kirk Cousins is like a flat line, and Derek Carr, it's like a flat line. It, it doesn't, it, it never seeps in and permeates their brain that like this situation causes an adjustment in what I'm doing here. So that on on a given play that we might we might call, you know, you could call the same play down ten or up ten, and it might change how willing you are to look at a certain read or how long you you stay with your, the deeper option before you take a, a shorter uh, secondary read or the check down. And clearly Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, either consciously or otherwise, understand that. Cousins and Carr don't. It doesn't compute. They're, they're running that play, and they'll run that play the same, whether they're down 10 points or up 10 points. And yeah, I guess you can make the case or something laudable about that, but <laughs> I think it is what separates them from those best quarterbacks, and it's why, you know, no matter how good Kirk Cousins plays, and as I say, I think he's been better than most people expected him to be, there's always to be that limiting factor. And particularly when you talk about, you know, what separates just being good and making the playoffs and then a Super Bowl team, right? The difference between just making the postseason and being good enough to win several games once you get there and take home a championship, like you need a quarterback that's capable of doing those things. Otherwise, that is going to be your limiting factor.
1: Uh, you, maybe you would call it with Kirk, like the old Facebook thing, like dance, like no one's watching is what he does. He just, just does it the same way, right? Like play like you're on the practice field, Kirk. I think that's the best description of it. I mean, you go back to the game against Tampa Bay and they're down a couple of scores, three scores in the third quarter and they have a nine minute drive. And then cousins is asked about it after the game. And he says, well, yeah, I mean, but we had plenty of time. No, you didn't. <laughs> like it's a right. it's a finite amount of time, and if you use nine minutes of it, you're really gonna have to thread the needle going forward. And there is there is something with this team, and this is why I think that the Zimmer Cousins pairing is just it's always been wonky, and it just gets wonkier as we go along. So you have a coach who's not good at game management, and a quarterback who doesn't really understand game situations either, or really yeah. play to them, who just executes the 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 play the right way. And this is why. I think there's a thing with this with all 22 film where when you watch all 22 film, it's sort of in a bubble and you don't really pay attention to the score and you can watch it back and be like, I don't know. Kirk seemed to play great in that game. But if you're there and you watch it and you watch the game flow, then you go, oh, I see why they lost by six points. Right. Because this happened and this happened and he wasn't aggressive or whatever. So I've always found that kind of funny. It's like the, the head coach. It doesn't make up for the quarterback's shortcomings. The quarterback doesn't make up for the head coach's shortcomings.
0: Yeah, if any, I mean, they both essentially feed into each other's weakness. You know, they they both share the same flaw in that regard, and therefore it becomes like a spiral, and neither one of the guys can pull each other out of it. They they almost need like, I mean, in theory it should be Kubiak. They just they need another voice, a guy that's actually good at that stuff, to take control and, and steer them both on the right course during you know during those situations. And right now there's nobody doing that.
1: All right, I've got a fun question for you here, um, but I want to ask one one more thing, which is just the 2021 outlook. As much as we've spent this entire time saying, well, they are, they need this, they need this, they need this, um, and, hey, the quarterback and coach don't match up, and the quarterback's limited. Okay, okay, okay. Put all that aside, though. The outlook for the future if they handle the offseason correctly and if they can bring the offense up a level I think is still – Where we're going to set the bar at competing for the NFC North. Uh, I'm going to go on the assumption Aaron Rodgers returns to the Green Bay Packers now, that Jordan Love will not be their quarterback. They're still going to be very, very good next year. I don't think they're going to fall off the edge of a cliff. But if you're Vikings fans looking forward to next year, I think you have every reason to set the bar. Be, because you have offensive weapons, because you have a good quarterback, because you have a proven defensive coach at competing for an NFC North title and being one step closer to a legitimate contender again.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the bar should always be pretty high because the they're good in the right areas. You know, quarterback is good. It's not great. It's good. Um, the wide receivers, for at least two deep, are great. Um, not even good. They, they are legitimately great. They've got other weapons. Irv Smith um Dalvin Cook they've got an incredible amount of talent on that side of the ball which is the more important side of the ball in today's NFL so this team has an a, an immediately really high floor um then if they can just get a little bit better on defense you know creep back towards average as opposed to terrible things can get better in a hurry um and as I say those the low-hanging fruit of how they could get even better on offense is there at all times like that is a really easy switch to make Now I don't actually anticipate them making it, but doesn't mean to say they can't, right? And if they ever did that, it would be an immediate jump as well. I I mean, if Green Bay has actually figured out this Matt LaFleur-Aaron Rodgers dynamic and this is what they are now, they are going to take some catching next year. Like, that... Rodgers playing at this level is Mahomesy and it's, it puts them like contending for a Super Bowl every single year, almost regardless of what happens around them. So in terms of setting the immediate target as winning the NFC North, I think it's dependent on that. Like if Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur are this from now on, you're probably not catching them unless you assemble a pretty absurd roster. Um, But if they do regress and if Rodgers goes back to being the guy he was the, the previous few years, then absolutely, this team should immediately be setting their sights on, on winning back the division and, and shooting for postseason football again and, and trying to, you know, take, develop in all the areas that they've been weak in.
1: I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive a personal cover. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q and A's with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and e-learning course. of tips and tricks, and on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all listening platforms. The best part is you can get all of this for $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge for an initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that wants to grow, Hustle is an open door leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. Go to bwhustle.com slash join check out the description box to find out more that's bwhustle.com slash join i think that initially i believed going into this season that 2021 was going to be like okay back to setting the super bowl as the bar that might actually be 2022 um, but it'll be interesting to see where cousin's contract goes at that point how he plays and And that's way down the road. So here's the the fun game for you because I know that you've always um, followed the Vikings closely. I want to remove Randy Moss and Adrian Peterson from the equation. Give me from the last 30 years Vikings, three Vikings that you could bring back and put on this current roster that would make them instantly a Super Bowl contender next year. So I'll just just give you one from my perspective. I'll give you Antoine Winfield. uh, I'll, I'll bring him back. Senior, like of course, and yes. then you're set at cornerback. You've got the rookies, and then he's locking it down, and he's your superstar. So that that's what I mean. Give me three Vikings that, if you could bring them back, that are not Randy Moss because that's too obvious. Um, that would make this team immediately great.
0: I like I like Antoine Winfield. I think that's a good one. Um, I'm gonna leave you that one so I can steal a fourth. I, Kevin Williams, right? One of the best three techniques of his generation, an absolute monster up the middle, a guy that will generate as much pressure as pretty much anybody that isn't Aaron Donald up the middle, and the guy could defend the run as well. So he answers all of your interior pressure problems, makes you stouter against the run as well. Perfect addition to that defensive front. Um, Assuming Donnell Hunter comes back, I would... Avoid adding Jared Allen to that, but he would be an alternative as well. Like you could just double up on the edge instead of getting the, the guy up the middle. Um, I'd bring back Chris Carter. Uh, is that going back too far? Is thirty no, years? No, no. Am I, don't I think pushing so. it? I don't think so. Um, like, three and I know, deep, I, man, I,
1: go three deep again. Yeah,
0: and I know that I spent you know ten minutes saying that it would basically be a waste of time because they're not <laughs> featuring that third receiver, but. Carter does give you something different from those guys, you know, the best hands arguably of all time and a guy that even late in his career transitioned to being something different, you know, became that slot receiver that they have. They run patterns with that guy. They just don't seem to ever target him. So maybe if Chris Carter was the option, you would go there on third and five or whatever the option was. Um, As for a third one, you got to get something on the offensive line, right? You got to try and fix that. Yeah. who would be the best offensive lineman to bring back? What about like a Jeff Christie or uh, no random McDaniel. Let's go. There yes, you go.
1: Yeah. I was going to go 14
0: go... time all pro or whatever it was.
1: Yes. Uh, and the stance the you need somebody, yes. with something unique, um, which became
0: it's... more absurd down the years, by the way, like early, it wasn't that bad. And then suddenly it became something absolutely ridiculous.
1: I was talking with uh, Olin Krutz about this, and he was like, you know, uh, nobody else could have gotten away with that. The, the, only, the only reason he was able to do it was because he was an absolute freak, and then whatever makes you comfortable as a freak, then you just do it, but. No one should try that at home. Uh, I would have gone Steve Hutchinson here. Uh, I mean, ah, if you, you know, I mean, it's got to be a guard. And I think that the difference between Dakota Dozier and Steve Hutchinson, normally guards aren't, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like normally guards, we wouldn't say, it's, uh, you know, you need to have an all pro there. But that would get you a, a win or two above replacement, I think, the difference between those two guys. And uh, the other one I might go with would be like Chris Dolman. I mean I think if you had Chris Dolman and Daniil Hunter on opposite sides that even if you were or you know what I mean to your point you could go somebody like Pat Williams who just absolutely ate yeah. up gaps and I think is really that would have been important in Zimmer's defense but also he he could get after the passer a little like he was he was quick
0: You know I would also love to see in today's NFL I would love to see what what a prime John Randall looks like in 2020 mm in 2020's NFL, a guy that would, could play inside, could play outside, can rush the passer, can defend the run with penetration. I I don't, I don't know what John Randall would be today. I don't even know. Like people talk about him. I I think people generally mislabel what he was in the first place. Like um, I think he played different positions than a lot of people like say he did uh, regularly. So I'm kind of curious that in, in today's NFL with a bit more creativity and a bit more, um, license to use guys like that, how John Randall would be deployed now and how it would how successful it would be because, it, you know, Aaron Donald has changed the game in terms of what people look for for undersized, quick, uh, disruptive defensive players. If like that was John Randall 30 years ago um, against guys who were twice his size, I'd be all for seeing what that looked like.
1: Right, they could move him all over the place, like Jadavian Clowney style, where he was sometimes yeah. a defensive end, sometimes an outside linebacker. Uh, I'll give you one, one low-key underrated one, would be David Palmer, because they can't punt return for bleep this year uh, since Marcus Sherrill left. <laughs> and you could put him at running back, you could put him at wide receiver. That, that's my, uh, my joker player, would be David Palmer.
0: I did, when I was, when we did that Randy Moss episode for our podcast and I was watching all these old games from 98, um, I I did repeatedly look at at David Palmer and think, dude, that that guy now would be so much better. He was wasted in 1998 when nobody did anything creative, you know, nobody did anything in the remotely creative. It was just cookie cutter offense. You take that guy to now and pair him with Andy Reid or something, that guy would be amazing. I know. He would be like uh, Christian McCaffrey,
1: basically, would be David Palmer. So uh, Sam Monson, you guys are doing daily podcasts now where you take a single subject and you just kind of break it down for a few minutes um, as opposed to, well, you're still doing the marathons, right? You're still mixing yeah. yeah. In. Okay, so, you, you know. The, those- the
0: two-hour podcasts we felt was <laughs> restricting to us, so we, we needed the avenue to be able to go on 10-minute rants on a daily yes. basis.
1: Yes, that's perfect. Although, uh, yeah, never stop with the marathons because uh, those, those will cover my jogging for like a week um, oftentimes. That's,
0: that's our demographic, I'm sure. It's like people right. with monster commutes, you know, right. people stuck in a chair for hours on end, just throw it on, and that's, that's where we get our, uh, our money.
1: Make sure you check it out with you and Steve uh, Palazzolo, as always. Although I think Vikings fans by now know where to find you, Sam Monson. um, You're the best, man. Great to check in with you. And uh, you guys have a happy new year. We'll do it again.
0: Thank you, sir. You too. Take it easy.